yes to Jesus today for the very first time or whether you've been following Jesus for a long time. God wants to do a work of resurrection in your life. What is dead right now that God wants to bring to life? What has never yet been born but because you have not been willing to die to yourself that God wants to bring into your world right now? That is the offer. That is the invitation of God. In order to live in Christ, you must first die to who you are right now. Pastor Daniel will encourage you to do this today so that you can live fully in this new way Jesus is offering. Grace has covered your sins and separated you from them. So now is the time to walk away from who you were in the past. Let those practices and traits go and allow Jesus to bring life to all that's good and pleasing to him and beneficial to the world around you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 6 as he continues his message, The Dead Live. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him and the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now, what does all this mean? This simply means that baptism is a picture of death and resurrection. Baptism is a picture of death and resurrection. The Apostle Paul begins to unpack this reality of something that was very common within the church. The Lord gave the church two ordinances, baptism by water, full immersion, and then, of course, communion. This going under the water and coming up again, this submersion underwater and then coming out. What we begin to learn is that this baptism, it's really a picture of death and resurrection. That for the people who have been united together with Jesus, just as Jesus died and rose again, so also we, in the same way, have died and risen again. When you go under the water, you're being symbolically or in a picture united together with the death of Jesus. When you are being taken out of the water just as Jesus rose from the grave, you and I are risen with Jesus. Now what's beautiful is that baptism illustrates death and resurrection, but baptism does not accomplish death and resurrection. Does that make sense? And I think that's an important distinction. Because sometimes you'll meet someone and say, well, unless you get baptized the right way, you're not really saved, which is wrong. Baptism is a picture. 
It's a public declaration of what God has done inside somebody's heart. And so the Apostle Paul wants everyone to realize that what baptism is, is baptism is a picture of a person's life being united together with Jesus. That's why when you see images of baptisms, they're so powerful. When I'm in the waters of baptism with somebody, I always say to them, this is symbolic of just as Jesus died and rose again, your old life is dead. And you are symbolically being raised up into new life, fresh life. And what is so powerful about that is one of the secret sauces of life is the reality that you can die to the old version of yourself and you could be made alive to the best that Jesus has for you. I remember when my little, uh, my middle child, uh, Maranatha, I remember when she was going to be baptized. I've, said, I've told you this before that my daughter, Maranatha, we call her the boss because she's the boss. Classic middle child, sharp, bright, knows what she wants. And I remember before she was going to be baptized, she said, so dad, you're going to baptize me on Sunday, right? Yes, I am, sweetie. And she read me the riot act about baptism. She like explained it all to me. She's like, you know, baptism is an outward sign of what God has done in my heart. And so, so when we get into the water, I know that you're going to talk to me. And dad, yes, I do believe in Jesus and I love the Lord and he died for me. And when, when I go into the, when I go into the water, you're going to put me under the water because old Maranatha, she's dying. And then you're going to bring me up, resurrected with Jesus and new Maranatha is going to come out of the water. And then you're going to hug me and give me a kiss. You're going to let me go on my way. She has explained the whole thing to me. And I remember just being like, Hey, Maranatha. You know I'm a pastor, right? She's like, yeah, I know. I've done lots of that. I, I, I know that. I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Yes, ma'am. You know? That's my Maranatha. But one of the secret sauces of life, one of the ingredients that makes life beautiful is to realize that just because your past is what it is doesn't mean that it has to be your future. Your past does not determine your destiny, my friends. Your past just shows where you've been. And what I love is that God meets us where we have been and he brings us to places that we would never have been on our own, but we have to pass from death into life again. And really what goes on, what these verses teach us is that for each one of us, we were alive to sin outside of Jesus, that sin had dominion over us. See, when it says here that we've been dead to sin, Death in the Bible does not mean extinction. It means separation. You realize that, right? The Bible never teaches that when someone dies, they become extinct. Bible says when death happens, separation happens. And so when a person is now dead to sin and alive to Jesus, it doesn't mean that sin has been extinguished from your life. What it means is that the stranglehold, the upper hand that sin has on you has been forever broken. Now you are free not to be completely enslaved by sin and death. But that doesn't mean that temptation doesn't happen. In these verses, it talks about this, that temptation is real. It's something that happens. But the thing is, is it's stranglehold, it's upper hand in your life has been thrown off by Jesus. And it's important for each one of us to be able to take those steps with Jesus. So it talks, I love this, because it says in verse 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, what I think is interesting is oftentimes within church, we have a tendency to talk a lot about sin and a lot about the cross, which we should. The apostle Paul said, God forbid that I boasted anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. But you realize after Friday comes Sunday, right? The cross gives way to resurrection. And so not only do we want to deal with the sinful tendencies, our sin nature, the ways that we fail to lean into the finished work of Jesus, but we also need to talk equally about resurrection. What resurrection is. See, Jesus kills sin in our life and then he makes us alive together with him in the resurrection. See, Baptism speaks of death to self and new life in Christ. For many of us, we get so stuck on the death to self that we actually never move past. We kind of stay in perpetual Friday. But God wants us to move not only through death to self, but to resurrected life in Jesus. What does that mean? See, really what we learn here is that our old nature, our rebellious nature, was crucified with Jesus on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, my rebellious nature, my partier, arrogant, proud self, lust-filled self, was on the cross with Jesus. And when Jesus was resurrected, my brand new life with Jesus was born. Now, I just use myself. You can put yourself in there. What is the rebellious version of you? What is the version of you that you know this is not the heart of God? This, if Jesus was walking in my situation, this is not how he'd be. At the cross, Jesus took upon himself all of that of you. And he crucified it in his own body. That's what it says, knowing that our old man, verse 6, was crucified with him, that the body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. The person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus, been born again, spiritually speaking, gone back into the womb through death, and then be reborn. When that happens, you're free from the upper hand, the dominion that sin has over you. Whereas before you were completely given over to it, you couldn't resist it because there was no power to break a stranglehold. But in Christ, that power is broken. And there are many of us who can tell stories of unique areas of our life where we thought, this will never change. I've tried everything. I've exhausted every possibility. And then they come to Christ. And through the power of the finished work of Jesus, stuff gets changed. And it's my hope that that's all of our testimony. If you have been born again, you've been freed from the dominion of sin in your life. The sin nature has been broken. But notice verse 8. But if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also 
live with him. Be resurrected with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now my friends, this is the abundant life. The abundant life is not just death to the old life. It's new life in Christ. Life lived Godward, towards God, where death no longer has dominion over you. And I believe that the resurrection is the secret sauce. Do you realize what Jesus has done for you? Do you realize what he has done in you? That's why I believe as followers of Jesus, gratitude is the only attitude. Now, I know it's hard sometimes. And I know sometimes it's just life is just a little bit too intense to be grateful. But when you realize what Jesus has done for you, what's the problem? To quote a great movie, why so serious, son? We have so much to be grateful for. So much to to just rejoice in. Now, I realize there's some of you who are hearing this right now. You're like, well, that's great, but I'm not born again. Well, why not? What's keeping you from trusting in God who sent his son because of our rebellious selves, mine and yours, who died on the cross for you, that when he was on that cross, your sins were there too, and so was mine. There's enough power in the cross to forgive anybody who would surrender their lives and say, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life so that your resurrected life may be lived through me. I meet people all the time who say, well, God can do anything, but he can't do it in my life. You don't know where I've been, and I'm here to tell you, you're right, I don't. But God knows where you've been. And God loves you still. He still sent Jesus. And that death and resurrection can be an ingredient in your life that changes everything. That makes life extraordinary. This is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 28. He says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, the Apostle Paul is saying that when someone is in Christ, when someone's life has identified with the death and resurrection of Jesus, all of our natural distinctions now go away because in Christ, because of our unity with Christ, we're one with him. All those other details become superfluous. Not that they're not real in the natural, they are. But because of our identification with the death and resurrection of Jesus. And you realize this idea of death and new life, that's not only true spiritually, that's true in nature as well. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. How many of you uh, keep gardens in the spring or plant vegetable gardens or just go to Chuck's Produce? Yeah. (laughs) But listen, you take this little seed, you stick it in the ground, right? That seed dies when it goes in the ground. There's no seed after it's over. But then through water and sunlight, all of a sudden it blossoms and it bears fruit. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? 
If you were a winemaker, you take a grape and that grape gives up its life for something else. Of course, we all love the caterpillar that enters the chrysalis and emerges a butterfly. Do you think God just put all that in creation for no reason? I mean, you know, I'm not knocking the worm, but you think the worm is like, man, I'm looking real good today. But when that butterfly emerges with all those colors, right? And that's what baptism pictures. And that's exactly what God wants to do in you right now, right here, right today. Whether you're going to say yes to Jesus today for the very first time or whether you've been following Jesus for a long time. God wants to do a work of resurrection in your life. What is dead right now that God wants to bring to life? What has never yet been born, but because you have not been willing to die to yourself, that God wants to bring into your world right now? That is the offer. That is the invitation of God. But death and resurrection is a powerful reality. And so the Apostle Paul, he says all these things. And look what he says in verse 11. Likewise, you also... Reckon yourselves, verse 11, to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, but you for you shall not be under law, but under grace. Now I'd say it this way. Our lives are grace-filled and resurrected. Our lives are grace-filled and resurrected. That's what Jesus offers. Lives that are, we're not under law, we're under grace. Now, if you've been traveling with us in the book of Romans, he says that that when the law came in, then all of a sudden sin revived and we died. The idea is that the law showed us what's wrong. And you know how it is when someone tells you not to do something, you always do it, right? Always. You know, it's funny with my kids, I put, I have those uh, parental guards on all the devices, you know? But what's funny is, is that my phone always buzzes when they try and get into the, the area there. And I'm always catching them. It's like, how do you know? I'm like, like Jesus, I'm everywhere. That's what I tell my kids. But literally every time the phone buzzes, I'm like, oh, what are they trying to do right now? And no, even though they know that, and every once in a while they'll, they'll figure out the passcode. So I'm like, bury your head. I'll put the passcode in. You know, and then they, and then they look at the, there's a, ref, you parents know this. Sometimes your, your, um, your oven, there's a reflection off your oven. They can see the numbers. But right as I know that they're in, I change the passcode again because I ain't giving up on this fight, you know? Keep my kids' hearts pure, you know? But it's so funny, though, because once you know you're not supposed to, I wonder what's in there. I wonder why I'm not supposed to be there. Isn't it true? You can just have fun. You just tell your spouse, hey, listen, whatever you do, don't open that box right there. And put a little camera there. I guarantee by the time the day's open, they open that box. They want to see what's in there. Because there's something about when you know you're not supposed to do something, right? You just say, you got to do it. You know, you have to do it. Right? And so what really what we have here is that we're not under law that, that revives sin and we die in it. Well, we're under grace. So we have these lives that are grace-filled and we have these lives that are resurrected. Notice, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So really what we have is we have this death and resurrection, dead to sin, alive to God. 
So we are dead to lives and rebellion against Jesus, and we are resurrected to life in God. And then he says, therefore, because of this reality, dead to sin, resurrected to God, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey its lust. Now what this means is that as a follower of Jesus, the passions and lusts of the flesh do not vanish. They do not extinguish. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're still going to have these passions and lusts of the rebellious life. That's normal. But the difference is, is now, instead of just being like, hey man, I have this feeling, let's just go do it. Party on. Wayne and Garth or whatever. You know, you say, I probably shouldn't do this right now because the Spirit of God checks you. And I always thought when someone is struggling and they always say, you know, Pastor Dan, I'm struggling with this and, you know, and, and I feel so convicted. I always say, so good. They look at me like I'm nuts. I'm like, it's not good that you're struggling and you're, what's good is that you're convicted. Because it's always the worst thing when someone is doing things that are wrong and they're not convicted because it shows that their conscience is now seared. That the sin has so dead in their life like leprosy that they're unfeeling for it. So when you screw up, if you feel bad about it, that's a great thing. That's the conviction. It proves that you're God's child. But here's the thing. No matter how long you walk with Jesus, the lust of this rebellious life is still there. And the problem for a lot of us is that we just give in to that lust. Even though we know it's wrong, we are not dead to sin. We obey the lusts of the flesh rather than obeying the Lord and lover of our souls. That's what we do. And listen, if you're here right now and you're like, that's totally me. First, there's no condemnation for you. And second, stop. Stop doing it. So you're not condemned because Jesus knows that we're weak in the flesh. That the Spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. But we got to stop doing it. And the best way to stop doing it, listen, the best way to stop doing it is first confess it to somebody, not somebody who you do it with. You confess it to somebody who loves the Lord, who will pray for you. And second, you join a community group. Because I've always heard it said, I've seen it in my own life, it's always easier to be holy when someone's looking over your shoulder. Always easier when someone's going to ask you, how you doing with that? But what most of us do is because see, sin is, Satan's good and sin is a problem. Right? What Satan does is he says, because you have this, you don't want to tell anybody. Because if anybody knows about this, they're gonna, you have all the shame. They're going to judge you. Da, 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 da. They go through the whole list. And so what you do is you keep that stuff hidden. And when that stuff is hidden, you know what? Then Satan has a field day with you because nobody knows and you're struggling all by yourself. But when you, because your life is filled with grace and because you're saying either sin's killing me or I'm going to kill it, you say, I'm going to drag this stuff into the light. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to be honest about who I am. I'm going to, that's what confession is. The word confession literally means to agree with God. I'm going to confess it to somebody. Then all of a sudden, now you have people who are in your corner saying, okay, how are we going to get at this? What are we going to do here? Like when I told my pastor that I was struggling to stop smoking weed, when he would see me and say, hey, how's Romans 6, 7, and 8 doing? I knew exactly what he was asking me. Right? And then before I know it, because I, had, I felt I got I received grace from the pastor, I started telling other people that I knew. And we just pray for me. I'm really, I want, I'm trying, I got to fix this. My life is stuck in neutral until I fix this. And then before I know it, there's people praying for me. And then before I know it, I'm not doing it. And like, whereas I had smoked marijuana every single day, numerous times every single day for decades. And all of a sudden it's like, man, I went two weeks. Jesus is 
The word death in the Bible doesn't always refer to losing your life forever. Pastor Daniel today reminded you that death can mean separation, disconnecting yourself from something in your past. Therefore, if you've died to your old sins, you're no longer connected to them. What's more, they no longer have power over you. You can choose today to be dead to sin and to be alive and connected to your Savior, Jesus. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's Word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, jesusisrealradio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel continues to share what living under grace really means. Being forgiven for all of your sins doesn't give you freedom to do whatever you want. You need to exercise self-control still, but not because you have to, because you want to. If your allegiance lies with God, you'll be willing to do as He said, knowing that He has your best interest in mind. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, The Secret Sauce. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.